We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello and welcome to the Esports Biz Show. I'm your host, Justin Jacobson. Just as a disclaimer, nothing here is intended as legal advice. So all of the information is for educational purposes only. This week's guest is Coach Connor Olney. Connor is the author of 100 Jobs in Esports and a TikTok Influencer. Prior to that, he was the Director of Content and Community at Generation Esports, worked at Ottawa University as an esports head coach, and later was the Executive Director of Esports for the university. He's also acted as the Commissioner for the High School Esports League. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Justin. Excited to be here. My pleasure. So to start, tell us a little about your past esports and gaming experience. What was the first game you played and how'd you get involved to the esports business side? Yeah, sure. We can go deep. I mean, uh, you know, uh, e- esports and, and video games is something that's kind of grown with me as, as I've gone. Originally, video games became uh, honestly just a kind of a way to connect with my family. Uh, you know, I, I remember getting the PS2 for Christmas and uh, we got this game called ATV Off-Road Fury. And I remember playing that and then we'd go to bed and then I'd wake up at night and hear my dad playing it so that he could try to get good at it and beat us. Um, and that was kind of entry into into video games for me. We grew up in the military, so we bounced around a lot, you know, making new friends every couple of years and different things. And um, so one thing that was always consistent was video games. And so I, I started getting into video games a little more as I got older with with like Battle.net coming out and, you know, being able to connect with friends online, things like that. Warcraft 3 was a really big one for me and uh yeah just kind of grew with it as I as I went as we went into into high school my parents retired we moved into this little town in Iowa and all of a sudden I was you know this stranger in a town of people who grew up you know since preschool together tiny school you know and uh so it was another one of those things where was video games was a way to was a way to connect not only with old friends, but with some of the people that were, you know, at my school, we didn't grow up together, but we could, we could share a bond or have some fun through video games. So uh, yeah, video games was just kind of ingrained into my childhood and and growing up as a way to connect. Amazing. So how'd you kind of transition to the business side of it? Yeah. So it was kind of a natural uh, progression. So one of my friends from high school, we played call of duty together a lot and when we went to college, me and him were the only ones from our school that went to the college. I went to the University of Iowa. And so we decided to room together and we'd play Call of Duty. And I remember when we moved into our dorms, one of the first things that we did was he he pulled up um, at the time. It was a major, major league gaming event for Call of Duty. And we watched that together. And that was the first time I'd really been exposed to esports and, and this competitive side. And 
that was really the moment for me where I was like, this is amazing. Like this is something that could be really cool. At the time I was, I was in the entrepreneurial program at the university of Iowa and I was studying business. And so, uh, I, they pair us with a mentor and I went to my mentor after watching that. And I said, I think this is what I want to do. And we talked about it for a while. I started playing in online tournaments, GBs, you know, whatever I could do to kind of get competitive experience, learned pretty quickly that I wasn't going to go pro, but, uh, it was too late at that point. I had fallen in love with it and just wanted to see, you know, what I could do with it. So the first thing I ever did with esports, it was at the time Red Bull was actually just getting into it. And I got to work with them on bringing uh, one of their events to to our campus. They just started working with colleges. We hosted a Destiny tournament together. Um, and that was kind of my entry into the business side of things. And and it was a small event. But like I said, man, I was, I was hooked and I, I was ready to go. So from there, I uh, against the advice of pretty much everyone, I maxed out a couple of credit cards. I bought a bunch of equipment from Best Buy and I just started traveling and hosting events anywhere I could. I'd try to partner with colleges. At the time, they didn't have esports programs. So I would do gaming clubs. A lot of them had gaming clubs. So we would set up, we'd go, uh, I'd travel and set up an event for their gaming clubs and we'd host tournaments all weekend. And, you know, it was just a blast. We started with no money. I would just take kids from school who were really kind of interested in it. We'd go out to a venue, let's say Friday, host a smash event sleep on the floor of the venue because we couldn't afford hotel rooms, you know, wake up, restructure it, get ready for the Halo tournament or the Call of Duty tournament or the Overwatch tournament. Um, and yeah, so that that was what I did in, in college. I went to college, you know, during the week and uh, just started getting into tournaments as much as I could. Amazing. So you were there in the beginning, back when people were doing esports because they loved it, not because there was money and it was at Madison Square Garden and, you know, because Post Malone's performing and all these fun things. Yeah, no, not, not, no money, none of that. Like I said, for most of us went into debt trying to even just have an opportunity in here to, to maybe break even, you know. Um, there hadn't been any, no VCs were involved, no money had been raised. It was, it was the, the, the early days, the fun days, you know, of getting it all going. Amazing. So let's talk about your book. So 100 Jobs in Esports. Why'd you write it and who's the intended audience for it? Yeah, so 100 Jobs in Esports is really a, a revolution in kind of what you just mentioned of like this new age of esports. And as we're kind of evolving from what my generation was involved in into the newer generation, into the, the more uh, broad realm of esports, what I realized was esports became really popular in colleges and then it became really popular in high schools. And all of a sudden you had this really... Um, pretty large crowd of students who were getting into this. And all of a sudden you start hearing the words college readiness thrown around, you hear career readiness thrown around you and you hear it time and time again. But as I was kind of looking into what was available for these teachers to help with their students and whatnot, it was really, if you wanted to figure it out, you had to go do your own research project. And every kid, if you tell them you can make a million dollars playing video games, they're going to go, yeah, that's great. But, you know, the reality is a lot of kids out there would be extremely happy just getting to have a career in the industry. And so I felt like it was a really important project for me to just sit down, take a break and do something good for the community that I feel like is really missing now that we've entered this, this, you know, or transition into this new age of esports. Um, you know, the, the idea really came to me. I started writing it about six months ago, but it, it was really a couple years in the making. I did a tour uh, a couple years back where 
Um, I traveled the country and we built gaming computers for high schools. We set up, uh, we invited high schools to bring out their students. We taught them how to build computers. And at the end, they got to keep the computers uh, to start a, an esports lab at their school. So it was a really, really cool experience. And in three months, we went to like 25 different high schools across the country, met hundreds of students. And that was really when uh, I got to sit down, talk to teachers, talk to students and start understanding what, what, what's going right and what's going wrong. And the career readiness was a really, really big one of, hey, this is doing a great job bringing these kids in who, uh, you know, we, we hadn't reached before where we have these programs, we've got kids in here, they love playing video games. How do I help them get to the next step? How do we make sure that this is something that's going to be productive for them? And career readiness was is the number one term. So once I had a little time on my hands, I knew that that was a project that could be incredibly meaningful as a reference material, as a way to motivate kids and as a way to show them what their next chapters can look like. So is it more for, you know, high school kids looking for careers or college kids or you know, who was kind of the intended reader? Yeah. So the intended reader is it can go as young as middle school. It was written in a way that middle schoolers can understand it, but more predominantly high schoolers and even into early college. The idea of the book is a lot less of a novel and it's more of a flip through book that gives you a screenshot of a bunch of different, obviously the title, hundred different jobs within the esports industry. And, and what we use in the book and how we guide you is we're trying to get you to build what we call the career plan. So there's jobs of all different skill levels in this book, all the way from the very entry level to the experienced and you know top level C-suite. So the idea is you get a snapshot of this entire industry and you can flip through and kind of guide your thinking as to how to make this happen. Because it's sometimes that's the most difficult part for kids is, you know, we all want to you might have this job that you really want to do and it sounds exciting, but then, oh, well, you know, this is, oh crap, like this is, I don't, I'm not I'm experienced enough for this. I don't know how to get there. Well, the idea is this book will show you if this is the job you want, here's some jobs that'll lead up to it so that you can actually start building a plan. Okay. Right now I need to start doing this so that in college I can get this experience so that you're maximizing your, your opportunity to be able to get the career that you want, you know, to, to the best of your ability. So that's more of the idea of the book is, is, a, is a reference guide to help people build their journey through esports. Amazing. I think that's definitely needed as someone who's kind of, you know, interacting with high school students and middle school and college students who are really kind of looking at this from, you know, both a competitive side as well as a career side. There is not that much of a path. There's no, even my path was, you know, all over the place to get to where I am. So, you know, I think kind of even having it early on, I was just thinking about when you were speaking, like, would have been great if instead of working at, you know, MTV and a record label, I worked at, you know, Activision, Blizzard or Epic Games and, you know, went that route if I was going to end up here. So, you know, I think it's really interesting. So what are a few unique jobs out of the hundred? You know, we don't got to go through all hundred, but what are like two or three that maybe, you know, most people wouldn't think, but, you know, are actually pretty unique? Oh, that's a great question. Yeah, there's, there's a, there's a lot of them in there. Um, one of the, one of the really fun ones is you don't realize this is as popular unless if you're in this space, we saw a few jobs while we're putting this together for an esports chef to have a chef actually prepare food for the esports teams, or even sometimes just like the org itself for their influencers and different people. So you can be a chef, but work in the hundred thieves compound or, or, you know, <laughs> whatever. So I just think that's a really cool kind of, you know, pairing a passion for food with a passion for esports. There's people out there 
that, that those are two of their passions, you know, and, and we saw jobs for it. So I thought that was really cool. And then you talk about the jobs that there's a good mix of jobs at publishers, you know, so like you said, Activision Blizzard, who make all of these great games, but you can actually work on the esports side of it, whether it be on the tournament side of things or just working with the actual title itself. I think that's really interesting. And then you see a bunch of different jobs in the the software space that are all esports oriented. When you think of esports, you don't necessarily think of software. You might think of the video games itself, but the whole industry is powered by software. You know, a lot of it's done online, even in-person land events are powered usually through software. And so there's a, there's a lot of opportunities to build really cool software. We saw AI jobs, uh, different things like that, that, like I said, it's not tournament related, but it's a super interesting part of the industry. Definitely. And it's one of those things that it's the less, the road less traveled, which might be more opportunities down the line. For sure. And it just it just keeps building that that audience of, of people. You know, we might get into this, but one of the things that's. You know, it's a really big problem right now, just in, in general, where students are feeling overwhelmed and very unsure about what the future holds for them. And it's incredibly daunting to look at your future and not have any idea what you want to do. And so. One of the other things with this book is that even if this isn't the exact path you go down, or even if esports isn't exactly what you're going to want to do, just the idea of having a goal of what you want to achieve, regardless if you change your mind 30 times, just, just having that goal set out in front of you to provide a little inspiration and provide a little bit of a path forward is so incredibly important for every kid out there. So if you even have a glimmer of, of interest in video games and we can at least set a path for you that you can pursue, I think that's amazing because it's it's in, incredibly needed right now. Right. And who knows? You could be me, a lawyer, looking and representing people that are playing video games for, you know, millions of dollars. It's, it's definitely not the path I envisioned when I was growing up doing all this. But, you know, it seems like that's the path I'm leading. Yeah, it's it's incredible. Like you said, who who would have thought... That would be an opportunity, but here you are. And Not me. I, I'm talking about Call of Duty and Overwatch League, and like I'm like, what? Like I was talking about Nintendo and Mario and StarCraft, like you know, in the the lunchroom recess. No one was talking about it in you know academia and writing books on it, and you know, reputable public publications like the New York Times and the Washington Post, like speaking on it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, what gets interesting too, uh, the way the what we talked about with this book is. You can actually, so our more of our generation viewed esports as like, this is an impossible thing that we all just kind of found our way into. But more so now, what we're actually seeing is, is kind of the opposite develop as well, where esports is your guiding light to get into vault, involved in things. Maybe that's the reason you are excited about going to high school, finish your degree. Maybe it's the reason you go to college. But now that you're there, you find out that you actually really want to go into IT or you really want to go into math, science, construction, you know, who who knows? But what's interesting now is it's actually developing to be the opposite, if this is making sense, where you're using the esports, hooking in these kids that are into video games, getting them motivated. Maybe they land their first job in esports, but even if they don't, we've it's pushed them along further than what they even saw possible without it and i think that's really interesting too 
Absolutely. It kind of gives them this, like you said, this guiding light to kind of be, okay, well, I'm going to try to do this. And even if it changes along the way, like this is what I'm generally trying to do. Absolutely. I mean, you, you, you need that so much. Even, even the idea of having something to do after high school is, is, can be life-changing for students who don't, you know, previously just had, had no clue what they wanted to do. Absolutely. So what are some of the hurdles you kind of face or challenges in kind of writing the book? The esports industry is very challenging because it's so new that there aren't a lot of set in stone methods and structures to to esports orgs in general. I'll give you an example. Most esports orgs, in fact, I think all of them hide their organizational structure because they view it as something that they need to keep hidden because either they don't feel confident in that they're doing it correctly or they think there are they've got some secret sauce in how they've developed it so they won't share it. And what that results in is a very difficult time compiling all the information in these jobs because they'll call they'll have the same job but they'll call it two different things. Or what we really saw in this book, a lot of the times some orgs might charge or require a college degree. Some might not. So how do you guide that kid? It's the same job but one of them's going to require them to go to college and one of them not one of them's not you know so that like that who do you level kind of trust is it the one without the degree or do you have to get it you know does it make you overqualified yeah cuz that's a four year commitment so like if if we're going to tell a kid he doesn't have to get a college degree here cuz but all of a sudden they decide tomorrow that you're going to need one well now that kid's kind of out of luck cuz he needs to make a four year decision to go back to college and how bad do you really want this job you know so uh, that's a really big one uh and and what you'll see in the book is we labeled on every single job there's an indicator at the bottom that lets you know if this job requires a college degree doesn't require a college degree or maybe requires a college degree and there's so a lot that's more a maybes one. I assume a lot of maybes a lot of maybes luckily there's a small section on college esports and students are starting to understand college esports and there's hit or miss things with college esports. But if there's a maybe on there, more than likely, you're probably better off trying to get involved in a college that has an esports program because esports programs are really becoming more of a work study for students in a lot of situations. So they're going to college for, let's say, marketing or whatever degree they want. But then they're also spending 22 hours a week working on the esports program. And maybe they're just playing and scrimming. But a lot of the times, they're also going to have opportunities to actually get real world experience, almost operating in a mini org, you know, a college esports org. And so a lot of times that's going to be a good path as long as it's financially viable and you're not paying way too much for college, that you can actually get real world experience that orgs are going to really like and fulfill that box just in case if, you know, the org you really want to work for said you need one and the in you know maybe the other ones didn't amazing i definitely agree with that i think as someone who you know has helped develop curriculum at different schools and also teaching at a bunch of them you really kind of like you said you're developing knowledge so they have this base around knowledge but it's also really helping them on this path because they're it's not really out there there's no like you do a you go to b you go to c and then you get a job it's like and then the qualifications are all totally different. How much experience do you need to be something? Do you have to come from a prior industry to come in? You see a lot of high-level people in esports coming from ancillary entertainment and you know music and sports properties. And someone who came from that world and has been in this for a substantial time now, they're way different. There's a there's a lot of similarities, but there's a lot of like 
huge distinct differences. So I think it's really important to realize that there is knowledge that comes that's just endemic to the space the same way there are brands that are endemic to it. Yeah, definitely. And, and, you know, college off of that point, one of the other perks that you do see is a lot of these endemic brands and uh, brands in general that are working with esports, uh, the, the more Fortune 500-y, you know, older school brands, a lot of them do require a college degree. And a lot of them are hiring straight from esports programs just because they see the resume and it's probably it a sign that they're more to interested them to hire that. And then, yeah, so what you're actually seeing now is, is a relatively large workforce being developed that are these uh, fresh graduates from college esports programs. And the benefit of that is is networking and, and your network and the kids you played against in college might be the junior account manager for Asus now, or they might be, you know, do, uh, the social media manager for Razor. Or working at Lenovo, like one of my students. Exactly. And so not only did you get this experience, but you're now networked with professionals at some really important businesses that, you know, that will grow over time. And so there, there's a non-zero value to to that portion of it as well. 100%. So you also kind of worked at Generation Esports. So tell us a little about some of your role with them, one of the stuff you worked on there. Yeah, so I joined, I joined them uh, a while ago. So basically after I had, I had, I had grown an esports program at Ottawa University and I was really excited about the high school space. I noticed that high schoolers who were involved in high school esports were much more prepared for the college space than the kids who had never been on a team before. It makes sense saying it out loud, but it's something that, you know, you, 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 once you're involved in it, you get really excited about. So I wanted to make the switch to high school. And at the time, the high school esports league was, you know, the, the largest league and there wasn't a ton of other things going on back then. And I kind of shot my shot with them. I was also a little bit of an influencer at the time and I was making esports content online and I had made an esports video about the high school esports league and talking about it. It went on to do like, I think like 1.4 million views or something like that. And I kind of used that as my gateway to open up a conversation with them and say, Hey, I want to, you know, I don't know if you guys are hiring, but I, I think we could do some cool stuff together. And so that opened up the conversation, eventually got the job with them. Originally, I started as a producer. So I was a producer and a brand manager for the high school esports league. And then at the time, the high school esports league was going through this change where they were becoming generation esports and launching other leagues. And so they needed a generation esports is kind of like the larger company where they had leagues underneath it. So then HSEL, the high school esports league became a league underneath it. And then while they were growing generation esports was when they... Uh, we're looking for someone to kind of oversee the HSCL brand. And so I was selected as the first commissioner for the high school esports league. So for about a year, I got to oversee that brand and kind of the vision for how we're going to take it. That was when I went on this crazy three month road trip where we built 150 computers and gave them all away and did a bunch of cool stuff. But yeah, I got to do that. I uh, did it for about a year and then went on to a larger picture role, which was the director of community. So then I saw the community growth for all of the different leagues that Generation Esports had to offer, not just the high school esports league. And yeah, it was, it was a really interesting time. I got to meet so many amazing students and teachers and got to travel the, you know, the country spreading awareness about esports and, and had a really good time. 
Amazing. Well, shout out to them. I know that the high school and you know middle school development is very new kind of part, and it's really kind of growing. So as someone who, you know, as you mentioned, worked at the university and then worked at the high school level, what have you kind of noticed about Scholastic Esports in general? You know, I think it's a pretty underserviced side of it, and realistically, there's a lot more people that are on that side of it than in the pro scene. Yeah, there's there's a lot developing with it. There's certainly... It's all pros, but what we're seeing is there's going to be a level, there, there's a level of development that has to take place. Most of, we're finally getting to this point where this changes a little bit, but most of the teachers that are overseeing the high school programs are unpaid. They're overworked and most of the time not really able to provide the time commitment that should be necessary. They're not treated like football coaches or, or, or whatever. Some some programs are doing better than others. Some school districts are starting to stipend their teachers and to build labs and do different things like that. But that I think social media makes that part seem like it's further along than it is. I, I, I don't know the exact percent, but it's a relatively low percent of high school esports programs that exist that actually have a lab and that actually have a teacher on stipend. Um, so that is going to have to develop a lot further before it becomes you know, the true pipeline we need it. But it's happening quick. We're, we're like I said, this is all happening in a couple of years' time. You know, we went from none of this existing to to whole school districts building esports labs and investing in their teachers. So I think that's going to happen quickly. But that's a big thing. That's that's a big you know shift that's happening right now. So do you have any suggestions for any courses or curriculum that you know a potential student or university might find valuable that is currently lacking and you know might be added? Yeah, I think that's a, a great question and, and way to look at it. I think there's a couple different programs that everyone should be looking at when it comes to esports. And when you view esports at the heart of it being the kind of competitive scene, you need to be able to support programs that exist, you know, on the job side of things and the opportunities that exist out there. And so the big pillars would be making sure you have some sort of programming for broadcasting and understanding how broadcasting works. And then also social media and content is a big one in a big industry right now. And so I think if you're going to get involved in esports, you need to start developing programs for both of those pillars. Broadcasting being obviously all of the stuff with live producing, getting kids to learn how to use OBS and getting kids to understand how to build a run of show and a broadcast setting. That's going to be skills that translate to real world jobs, even outside of esports. There's a whole industry for broadcasting and, and that's not going to go away. So that's a very important program to have attached to your esports program. And likewise, when you when you look at content and, and I'll include social media, content creation, editing, videography, all of that in there, it's a really worthwhile program to have. Obviously, the esports industry doesn't exist without content. So training there, but again, it's real world jobs that exist that's going to continue growing that you can prepare these kids for. So learning how to use Adobe and learning how to use Premiere and learning how to shoot with a camera and the basics of photography and and all the way up into how to you know build a, a plan for your content, all these different things. There's jobs every single day that are posted for these two programs. So I think if you're going to go into esports, you you need to expand into those and find students who are willing to do those for your esports program. 
Absolutely. I think it's one of those things where you're starting to see some schools, you know, understand that we're being able to be in front of the camera as well as behind it, understanding how to create an overlay, the graphics that are, you know, animations on screen, because like you said, these are translatable skills that you can work in esports, whether it's at an event production company or, you know, arenas that might have their own live shows or, you know, a venue like the Madison Square Garden that's putting on an esports event. So there's so many avenues of all levels to get involved in that. And similarly to content creation, understanding the algorithms and tagging and what works and all these different intricacies that are kind of, I don't want to say they're like a science, but there is a method to it. And once people kind of understand how it works, you're really able to, you know, see your success and it becomes quantifiable. Yeah. And then uh, uh, another piece that you can dive into with this is, so that's if you're talking about kids who are interested, you know, in esports and interested, interested, interested in the industry. I was, that was a hard one to get out. Um, one of the other things that's really interesting about an esports program in general is the kind of students that it attracts. And in some schools, we've seen a large gathering of kind of more STEM-focused, technology-focused students. And so the other thing you can view your esports uh, program as uh, is more a way of a way to get in front of students who may be interested in technology and other STEM-related fields that have nothing to do with esports. They just go home and like to play Valorant or whatever. And so you can use it not only for programs to build off esports, but you can actually use it to market other programs, such as computer science. Definitely. And I think that as the whole entire world shifts towards AI and just computers in general, I don't know if there's a job really that doesn't involve that in some fashion, being able to you know be a coder, create apps, learn all of that is just going to be an invaluable skill no matter what. Yeah. You know, we actually put... so. In my book, 100 Jobs in Esports, we actually included an AI engineer in the book. And at the time, you know, when we were first putting this together, we're, it, that wasn't really a popularized job quite yet. But we were like, you know, we, we think we should include this. Like this is we're starting to see companies kind of asking about this. And I kind of wish we would expand it on it because now what we're already seeing in, in six months is not only obviously really high in demand people who understand the engineering side of AI, but then also people that just know how to utilize it or build on top of it. And that's going to be huge. A hundred percent. So what's unique or, you know, idea about working with, you know, college and high school age kids in the esports scene? I think it's, there's a, it's a unique opportunity to adapt with the times and reach students in a new way. I think that it serves as such a great foundation to get kids interested in education you know, we're, we've obviously been shifting away from traditional sports for a little while. And and for uh, definitely through COVID, students really had little engagement at all with school. And it was very easy for students to almost just go missing from the education system. And, and so what esports has done a really great job of is to get kids back interested in the education industry by offering something that they perceive as valuable, which is getting to play on a team and getting to meet new students who, you know, like the same games and whatnot. So it's such a valuable tool to keep people interested in the education. And as you transition into high school and to college, you know, college esports serves two-handed. Obviously, it's about education. So one, it can be a way to provide more affordable, higher education for students who want to go on to do computer science or whatever, and they just happen to be good at video games. Or 
they can create career opportunities where they are interested in something within the field. So now they can go and get their business degree, marketing degree, uh, you know, whatever degree that they're interested in, graphic design, things like that, while also getting real world experience helping on an esports team. So it's it's such an incredibly powerful tool to keep kids interested in education. And I think that's that's what we're seeing and why it's it's proven to be so successful. Definitely. I'm definitely excited to see how it's kind of growing and will continue to grow. So what's advice you have for anyone that's trying to find a job in esports? And you know, how can your book help them on that path? Great question. This is one of my new favorite topics to talk about. So I'm a really big advocate for developing a career plan for yourself. And you should always have a career plan and reevaluate it every single year. And I'll explain kind of my view on that or, or what it looks like. So the idea is, even from the age of 14, 15, all the way up, we all know having goals helps. Like you can't achieve anything if you, if you don't set out to achieve it, right? You have to have goals. Um, but with careers, for some reason, we kind of just talk about to kids, oh, what's like your dream job? Think about your dream job. And they might have this kind of dream job, but then there's never any actionable cause from that. They either need to just pursue that quietly or they go on to do whatever you know they're kind of told to do. So instead, what I think you should do is build a career plan, which transitions your dream job into something that's more tangible and a goal you can achieve. So the way you do that is you first set out by establishing what's something you want to achieve. Like what's the big thing you want to achieve, right? That would be your cause for what you want to do. Then we need to figure out what job is the most likely to allow you to succeed or to, to you know, create that. So that is what I would call your career goal. So for example would be, Let's say you want to create your own video game. That's your big goal, right? So my career goal would be, I'm going to become maybe an owner of a video game studio so that I can create my own video game. That's an actual, you know, semi-tangible thing you can work towards. From there, the most important bit is now you, you do what's called career mapping. You look at it and you go backwards. So you go, okay, if the ultimate goal is to own my studio, what are the steps I have to do to get there? Well, before I could own a studio, I should probably work for a studio to get some experience. So here, I'm going to start out by doing this, then I'm going to work up to this, and I'm going to work up to this. And that's where my book comes in, is what it allows you to do is flip through 100 different reference jobs, and it, it actually has its own find your own adventure. So you find a job you're interested in, we'll actually tell you what jobs lead into it and what jobs you can get out of it. So you can build this roadmap very easily within the esports industry using the book. So now that you have this roadmap, you've got your starting point, right? So your ultimate goal is to start your own, you know, make your own video game. But now you see that, well, actually my first step is to land an internship doing game design for a major publisher, right? Well, that's more tangible. So now I can come up with a couple things I can do right now to land that first step. So that's how I view career planning is take your big goal, keep it as your motivator and break it down using things like my book as a reference to be able to build this path so that it's now very actionable. Does that all make sense? Definitely. I think that's you know an amazing advice where it's like you kind of reverse engineer the path to the end, where it's like you see the finish line. Now it's like, okay, what do I need to do to get here? It's like, okay, well, maybe I need to take some business classes. Maybe I need to learn how to code. Maybe I need to learn certain graphic design stuff because of these 3D elements and you know, having this knowledge, even if you're going to have programmers and developers and a whole team under you to have familiarity, to understand it, to not just be totally in the dark about things, there is a value there also. 100%. You actually brought up the biggest point too. For anyone 
So my book serves as a reference for anyone who maybe wants to pursue a job in esports, and it gives you all of that information, the requirements, the jobs, all of that stuff. But for anyone who just wants to plan a career, maybe it's outside of my book, one of the biggest things you can do and the easiest things you can do is reverse engineer someone else's career. So like I said, let's do the same goal. My goal is to create my own video game one day, right? What I can do is find three or four people who have been successful at starting their own studios, right? Look them up. Everything's on Google now and figure out what steps did they take. And I guarantee you're going to find similarities. It's not going to be perfect between you know all four founders, but there are going to be a certain level of steps that each one of them took to get there. And that's your plan. They're giving you the roadmap right there. So just follow that. It, it's, it's like a cheat code. Right. And luckily there's so many podcasts where all these people talk about, you know, like we may have had Todd Harris, you know, founder of high res studios who kind of in a previous episode who laid out his path to creating, you know, the studio that he ran that has smite and some other unique titles. So, you know, what's your favorite part about working in the esports and gaming space? Oh, my favorite part's definitely community. Uh, the, the community is, is everything to me. It's, it's, higher up than actually playing video games nowadays. I'm a little older now, so I don't play as many video games as I used to. Video games was my interest that got me into it. But once I joined my first esports club and went to my first tournament and got into it, what I quickly realized was that it was the environment and the people there that kept me so engaged and and so driven to continue growing this industry. And as the years went on, I played less and less video games, but I spent more and more time you know, falling in love with this industry. And it's just because of the people and, and how it serves to bring, you know, these groups of, of gamers together. I think it's incredible. And I think, you know, everything we've talked about today plays into that as far as how esports is helping people and providing value, providing opportunities, and just providing belonging to people. And I think that's ultimately what what motivates me and keeps me excited. Amazing. Yeah, I definitely think that's a sentiment that a lot of people echo that it's, you know, the other people working in it and this shared commonality and being able to kind of do it as a profession and marry the passion and a career together is, you know, what a lot of people strive for. And to be able to talk about video games and, you know, as an attorney who always thought I was going to be involved in this entertainment business, but like I spend a lot more of my day talking about Fortnite and Call of Duty and, you know, this stuff than I thought I ever would in my life. So it's, you know, really interesting that that's the direction it kind of took. Yeah, it's a roundabout way for a lot of people, but uh, there's a reason, you know, it's it's appealing to people and, and why it sucks so many people in. <laughs> so what's kind of, you think, the future for college and scholastic esports? You know, how big can it get and, you know, how does it get there? It's a great question. I think it's going to be massive. I think one of the pieces that gets really interesting is how you build esports bigger than competition um we're we're seeing a large shift in mindsets of students uh, and younger people in particular away from as much of a competitive mindset as we used to have when we were kids and so esports is interesting because it provides an opportunity for competitors, you know, who really want to compete and be on a team. But as we talked about, it really also serves as a way to bring people together. And so what I think we're going to see is esports is going to continue rolling out because it is a way to catch competitors who aren't signing up for the traditional sports teams and schools 
and you know athletic directors and different people are going to uh, appeal to that because they want to continue competition and, and provide that experience. But once you actually get the esports team, uh, a couple of questions back is going to be what happens is it's going to be the programs that surround it that makes it incredible because it's not going to be just a purely competitive thing. It's going to be a a overall encompassing thing that pushes people into I think career development. I think that's really where it's where it's headed is is a fun way to get kids interested in education and build a mini ecosystem at your school to push people into higher education or career development, gain real world skills. So I think within five years, we see the majority of high schools getting involved with it to some degree, having at least a team. I think college, the value proposition will shift a little bit and it's going to be the programs that make it successful and how well they're able to graduate students and place them into careers using esports as the driving mechanism to develop the skills and to develop the opportunities. And if they're able to do that, I see the same growth trajectory for esports in college. I think it succeeds under athletics, but we're going to have to find ways outside of competition to still drive value. Definitely. And I think the whole idea of, you know, all the ancillary jobs as well as, you know, content creation in general being, you know, more of an influencer and a lifestyle or like, you know, these are the places in the city. I know people when they talk about esports, and I even had this conversation earlier, it's like, to me, that's just, you know, professional gaming, professional content creation, people that are using video games, computer games and these kind of social media outlets as a profession as a career as a job and i think you know with the competitive video gaming that is you know i guess the easiest definition of esports but you know the way i phrase my book and the way i try to teach things is that this whole world is all part of this professional video gaming world we're a profession of video games same where there's you know the music business profession you you know you could be a musician you can be a producer you can be an engineer or you can be a pr or a marketer or you could be a blogger or you can be concert promotions or you could handle all the lighting and sound for concerts so it's there's the same exact infrastructure both front house and back house that exist in all these worlds so I think that it's just a lot of possibilities. And as you mentioned, schools being able to, you know, offer this and have this as a way for students to bond, like to have a big Call of Duty match versus your rival school and everyone's coming wearing, you know, Michigan Call of Duty hoodies and like doing the same chant they do at the basketball games. That would be a really good time for people that want to go out on, you know, two hours and watch this. So I'm really excited to see where that all evolves to. Yeah. I, th- I think that's the development that we need to see this really succeed. It, it's, it's like, we, like I said, when you look at these programs, they're really miniature versions of what the entire professional ecosystem looks like. And when we talk about the professional ecosystem, you know, we see estimates for every professional esports player, there's 10 to 20 jobs, you know, whatever the exact number is created. So we've got to do the same at these levels and it solves a lot of issues. So if you have a, let's say college, if you have a competitive team, that's, that's really good or a, or a varsity program or something, you're kind of limited on how many kids are going to be extremely talented who are going out and competing every, every week. You know, you might have 25 students across a couple titles who are your top tier players on scholarship for that, which is great. But how do you build out 
the 10 to 20 students for every student that is a competitor who just wants to be involved in the ecosystem, get some experience. We'll go out and support them, like you said, for game day and watch their events and go to their tournaments. Maybe they like to play for fun, more of a club level type thing. That's going to be where the big shift is. If, if you can have the top tier competitors, but you can also build out some sort of offering similar to a club where you can get students just engaged and helping and, and getting some sort of value out of it and just keeping them interested in school while they achieve you know, their degree and go on to do uh, you know, great things in whatever field outside of esports. It's fine. But I think that's where the development has to come is not only the coaching and, and developing really talented players, but finding the 10 other supporters for each one of those players and how to get them involved in the ecosystem. Definitely. So I know a lot of people echo that they expect a lot of colleges, if not all of them, to have this kind of on their campus in you know some form. So I guess we're on the same page with that. So what's the future for you in this space? You know, where do you kind of go from here? I, I see myself doing two things. Um, I think career readiness is something I've taken a really big interest in, particularly because of the amount of time I spend with students and talking to students. And I think it's something that is a natural evolution for my interest in esports, which is just trying to help kids have a more positive outlook on the future, I think is, is really important at, at this time. Um, so I want to do more in building out career readiness, kind of what we talked about here and in, in teaching people how to teach others about career readiness, potentially doing some more reference books within the job market. And then I also want to get a little bit more involved back onto the coaching and just integrating back into the ecosystem. I think there's a lot of work to be done with professional development in particular on training coaches, directors, colleges, how to build programs, how to set the proper goals, you know, how to make sure coaches are trained up properly to be working with students, things like that. You know, the, the professional development that needs to follow with the growth that's happening with so many colleges trying to, you know, enter the space, but not really knowing a lot about it. We need better guidance there. So those are two areas that I think I could provide a lot of value and we'll be exploring a lot more this year. Amazing. So I try to end each episode with my three questions. So what's your favorite game to watch? My favorite game to watch is unfortunately Valorant because <laughs> I'm one of the nerds who love the competitive. I'm a competitor, you know, and I love the competitiveness of Valorant. However, a lot would argue it's a very boring esport to watch because there's a lot of holding corners and sitting in, in, in camping. But I find the strategy very interesting, similar to almost like, you know, chess, but with clicking <laughs> so what's your favorite game to play my favorite game to play is rocket league mainly because it's such a fun game to you can pick it up and just have fun when i do have time to play video games and i can play competitive you know you, you get the balance of you can play competitive or i can just play it with my friends and not have to worry about it amazing so who's your favorite video game character my favorite video game character is is definitely a throwback to good old Link because he's just the heart and soul of of my generation getting into gaming. Definitely, I'm definitely a big Zelda Ocarina of Time fan, so I'm with you there. Yeah, he's yeah, it's just classic game. You can't amazing. So you know, thank you so much for joining us. Tell everybody where they can find you and find your book. Yeah, uh, so you can just check me out anywhere on social media. It's just Coach Only A-L-N-E. If you want to check out the book, just go to 100jobsandesports.com. You can check it out there, and any support's appreciated. 
Amazing. So everyone, make sure to check it out. You know, there's a hundred jobs in esports out there. One of them might fit you. So check out which one it is. And thanks everybody again for tuning in. And make sure to follow me on Twitter, Justin J E S Q, and check Apple Podcasts for all our past episodes. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that seventy five percent of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.